0: Hello, everybody. Ann Louise Gittleman here, your hostess with the mostess for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And today, we have a true pioneer in the field of integrative medicine. He is Dr. James M. Greenblatt, who has treated patients since 1988. After receiving his medical degree and completing his psychiatry residency at George Washington University. Dr. Greenblatt also completed a fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry at Johns Hopkins Medical School. He currently serves as the chief medical officer at the very prestigious Walden Behavioral Care in Waltham, Mass. And he serves as an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine and Dartmouth College Geisel School of Medicine. Welcome to you, Dr. Greenblatt. Uh,
1: it's very good to be with you. I appreciate all the work you've done.
0: Thank you so much. I am so interested in all of the work that you have done, particularly your focus on nutritional lithium. Can you tell me why you think lithium is the Cinderella story to Alzheimer's disease?
1: Uh, sure. I've, um, I learned about uh, lithium before at medical school. I was just listening to Dr. Jonathan Wright, and he was talking about low dose lithium. And I've had an interest for 40 years and then going through psychiatry training. I learned about prescription lithium uh, for bipolar illness, and prescription lithium has a lot of side effects. So as I explored what is often confused, of, uh, which is nutritional lithium, which has been around for 13.8 billion years since the Big Bang, is one of the original elements in the formation of this universe, that it's uh, required for brain function. Low doses are required for brain function And I've been on this journey the last 30 years trying to understand what that relationship is.
0: Now, you have written a book. What is the complete title of your book for my listeners?
1: We've written a number of books about lithium, but the one just on lithium is called Nutritional Lithium, A Cinderella Story, and uh, basically reviewing the literature of this uh, trace mineral, uh, how since the 1980s, we've understood its uh, profound relationship to uh, brain function, uh, suicide prevention, and dementia.
0: Very, very interesting. And I assume that the dosage for nutritionally based lithium is quite different than the uh, therapeutic dosage for those that have any kind of manic depressive issue.
1: Sure, if we think about prescription lithium, we're thinking of 1800 milligrams. And in the early research on lithium was actually the amount in the drinking water. So the, uh, it's the micrograms it's uh, less than any pill that you can get at any uh, health food store. So the amount of lithium that was found in drinking water varies across um, geographic reasons and each geographic location that had high lithium, they found that there were low rates of depression, suicide, and new research, Alzheimer's. Those regions that had very low lithium in the water supply at very high rates of suicide. And this correlation has been shown to be probably around 20 studies now across the globe in every major country and throughout the United States.
0: So does lithium act as kind of a chelator of heavy metals? I know that there's a preponderance of interest with a heavy metal uh, buildup in the brain of either copper or aluminum or even lead. Does it have a chelating factor to it, do you think? There's not a direct chelating factor. I think there's um, at
1: least 20 or 30 different mechanisms of how lithium affects the brain. Excellent. But it's very similar to what we're hoping in all the billions of dollars we're spending on the uh, anti-Alzheimer's drugs. So it's mostly about decreasing inflammation and the uh, chemicals called um, neurotrophic, things that help the brain restore function.
0: So besides Alzheimer's, are there any other mental health disorders that lithium can benefit? Uh,
1: the list is, is pretty endless. I think the uh, most dramatic is kind of this concept of irritability, and which we've all experienced, but irritability, uh, anger are, are the most common, and then up into uh, bipolar and mood swings.
0: So you can get this, I assume, in a supplement is what you're saying. Is there a particular dosage that's recommended? Well, we, we use it on kids, so, uh,
1: impulsive ADHD kids, and we use it in the elderly. So the dosages, um, again, can be bottled over the counter are from one milligram up into about 10 or 15 milligrams. Most pills are five milligrams of lithium.
0: Can people find this in health food stores, or do they have to go online, or do you have a website where they might be able to find out more information?
1: Yeah, we have a lowdose lithium.com, which doesn't sell the supplements but has information. Uh, most, um, you know, from Amazon to any other uh, retail that has uh, lithium, it's then again, it's very low doses that are over the counter, micro doses.
0: So would you say that your practice currently focuses on nutritional interventions in psychiatry and mental illness? Do you still believe in the use of certain mood-altering drugs?
1: You know, I I use the term integrative psychiatry. Most of the work that um, we do is looking at nutritional deficiencies and metabolic imbalances, but I still believe there is a place for medications, particularly those with severe mental illness.
0: Very good. So you're very balanced. And uh, we try
1: to be. I think we get <laughs> both sides of the equation. When people say meds are evil, or people say no meds at all, um, there are those individuals with very significant family histories and significant trauma that are really struggling. Where uh, low dose medicines can help, certainly in a crisis.
0: So when it comes to low-dose lithium, I'm still unclear of of a basic dosage. If you were dealing with an adult where there was um, a strong history of Alzheimer's in the family, what would you take as a preventative dose?
1: I I would uh, probably start with the five milligrams of lithium orotate. And if somebody is over 40 or 50, I might increase it. um, They tolerate it to 10 milligrams. But we're talking about very low dosages. and where I have been using it for 40 years and have not seen side effects or problems or affecting any other, um, you know, physiological function.
0: So what can people expect with a 5 to 10 milligram dosage? What would be the benefits for the mental health balance, would you say? Are people less nervous? Are they less calm? Does it help with sleep? Well, I think that uh,
1: the uh, most significant uh, reason for low-dose lithium is in this prevention the prevention of dementia and Alzheimer's and that is now seeping into traditional psychiatric journals. The, um, so people aren't going to feel that. They're going to need to read about it and believe it and understand how it works. But what somebody might feel are individuals that are kind of irritable, um, prone to getting angry, prone to being impulsive, um, that kind of anxious agitation, uh, those symptoms can improve in two to four weeks.
0: That's, that's huge. You know, I've also heard that lithium is very good for those that have hyperthyroid. Are you familiar with that kind of usage?
1: Yeah, there are a wide range of uses uh, from uh, there's now people writing about it for uh, it, its antiviral properties and looking at it's been the test tube that's been helpful for coronaviruses. So it has antiviral properties, it's used for uh, the neuropsychiatric um, side effects of Lyme disease and uh, traumatic brain injury. So those are some of the common uh, ways that we use nutritional lithium because it enhances these neurotrophic factors that cause the brain to heal.
0: Besides water, and I was interested in the areas of the United States that have the highest lithium in the water, are there any particular foods that one would suggest for an uh, anti-dementia, anti-Alzheimer's preventative diet?
1: Well, in terms of lithium, um, the uh, the herb thyme probably has the highest content. Um, it's found in you know most foods, but water tap water. And if everyone is kind of obsessed with bottled water, we're um, probably getting less lithium. So it's um it's it's found in small amounts in vegetables and grains, uh, but most of our lithium that we get from the environment is in tap water if you're consuming tap water.
0: Interesting, I love the idea of time, which I'm a big proponent of, and I'm teaching people how to make time tea, so not only will they have an antiviral, antibacterial benefit, but they'll also be treating possible down the road situations with any kind of brain dysfunction. Would you say that this would also be helpful for depression?
1: Yes, we have, um, you know, we've been using lithium in traditional psychiatry as an augmentation strategy for depression. And there are some uh, individuals with depression that the lithium, uh, the low-dose lithium, can be incredibly helpful.
0: So interesting, interesting indeed. Are more and more practitioners using the, the therapeutic doses of lithium? I haven't heard it very popularized. I'm very familiar with Dr. Jonathan Wright, who was actually my my holistic integrative medicine doctor uh, for, for many years, but I, I have not seen it out there as much as it should be. Are you one of the way showers, would you say one of the leaders in the use of nutritional lithium? I, I probably have used it the most because I, I do cross the spectrum.
1: I can use it for high dose for bipolar and low dose for prevention or ADHD. Um, I, I believe it's getting a lot more press now as in in traditional psychiatric journals last year, a paper was published in the British Journal of Psychiatry, a four year study um, in in Brazil, looking at uh, low dose lithium, which had significant um, cognitive uh, enhancing effects. Um, And so that was published in a traditional journal and it's being kind of passed around more academic circles. So hopefully the information will get out there.
0: I love that. Now, how long would it take, for somebody to see results taking nutritional lithium? Is it, is it instantaneous? Does it have to build up? Is it one week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months? What would you say around ballpark time?
1: Well, I would say for the symptom of irritability, um, which as a child psychiatrist, you know, we see a lot across a couple diagnoses, ADHD or um, other behavior disorders. And, and parents um, you know, will let me know in two to four weeks that they see a different child. Um, uh, individuals with family histories of substance abuse is also an indicator that someone might benefit from nutritional lithium. So the irritability usually responds in two to four weeks with these low dosages.
0: Well, that's that's pretty uh, impressive to say the very least. Now, you have written seven books. Do they all include information about nutritional lithium?
1: Um, i probably slip it in most books, but the two that are most prominent is the Alzheimer's, the prevention of Alzheimer's going through that literature, which is extensive, just to make people know that it's not just one person's opinion. And then the uh, lithium, the Cinderella story book, which covers a lot of aspects. And the book that I think is most important for me in my career, which will be done at the end of the year, is a model for um, prevention of suicide. That is the most dramatic research on how low-dose lithium can uh, prevent suicide.
0: Oh, so this new book, and do do we know when this is going to be out, Dr. Greenblatt? Uh, Hopefully by the end of this
1: year, 2020. So we've been talking about it for a while. We give lectures but the book is just being put together now, so hopefully by the end of this year.
0: And for those of us that are gonna be looking towards this, hopefully there'll there'll be some pre-sales on Amazon. It's called Integrative Medicine for the Prevention of Suicide. Can you give us a little sneak peek other than the lithium connection? Sure, we're just trying to understand this
1: epidemic that we had um, pre-COVID and it's increasing uh, now. uh, As more traditional, Medicine is doing assessments and different medications. Rates have just skyrocketed 30, 40% over 15 years. So our current model is not working, it's not helping. And this book is just about a biological model. It's looking at risk factors, uh, low cholesterol, very low cholesterol, this lithium deficiency, inflammation in the brain, vitamin D deficiency. It's just providing clinicians, and families, a list of biological risk factors that we have shown in the research to make one more likely to complete suicide.
0: Mm. I can't wait for that book. That's, that's gonna be a real jaw-dropping book that I think is gonna be so important for the industry the nutritionally oriented industry, but you also founded Psychiatry Redefined, which is an educational platform dedicated to the transformation of psychiatry. So what is your aim in establishing that, that platform?
1: Well, that's my um, kind of goal in life, is can we re-educate our clinicians, train psychiatrists to look at nutrition, to look at lifestyle, to look at the environment, You know, any article that comes up with nutrition in most journals now are just criticizing the use of uh, supplements. So we're trying to retrain young psychiatrists and psychiatrists that want to, you know, learn an integrative functional medicine approach.
0: So my question to you is when you, when, a do you still, I I know you're a professor. Do you still have patients that come to you? Do you still practice privately?
1: Yes. Yeah, we're, we're seeing patients, I supervise supervisors, practitioners. I supervise 25 doctors at, at Walden. I don't see as many patients, but we're always doing consults with them. Um,
0: Tell us patients. a little bit about Walden. I mean, I know it's it's world renowned. It's located in Waltham, Mass. It's called Walden Behavioral Care, but I believe. Walden the Behavioral Walden,
1: Care. is it, focused on, uh, it's been around about 16 years now, and it, it's focused on the treatment of eating disorders. Uh, And it was a perfect job for me because 16 years ago, I got to talk about nutritional deficiencies in a traditional uh, setting. And that's why I teach and I train uh, doctors throughout New England on what happens um, in anorexia and malnutrition to the brain. So it kind of made it easy for me to keep one foot in both worlds. And we treat um, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating in um, children and adults.
0: Do you have any specific nutritional supplements other than lithium that you go to?
1: Well, a lot of the work, um, particularly in anorexia with the malnutrition, we're using a lot of um, amino acid supplements and essential fatty acid supplements. Many have restricted fat for, for many, many years.
0: Do you, do you actually do any testing to see what those amino acid supplement deficiencies are to, to target the programs?
1: Absolutely. In my private practice, you know, I don't see anybody without looking at a testing because then I can go personalize treatment. So we look at amino acid levels and fatty acid levels and nutrients and then tailor a personalized treatment.
0: What are the most important neurotransmitters? Can you give us kind of a uh, a bird's eye view of what you would use for depression and anxiety, irritability, lack of sleep? Because those are real concerns that my listening audience has.
1: Sure. You know, you mentioned neurotransmitters, the chemicals in the brain that kind of make us think and feel and behave. And these are all chemicals that are made from um, amino acids that we get in our diet. So that's why I said that the amino acid supplements are probably one of the most important that I use for all the symptoms you mentioned, fatigue, depression, insomnia, because without adequate protein, without adequate digestive enzymes to Break down the protein, you're not going to be able to synthesize these neurotransmitters in the brain, the serotonin and dopamine.
0: That's, that's why I think the right kind of protein is important. Do you put people on any particular diet? Are you, are you a pro paleo or keto or vegan or vegetarian? Do you have any preference? Uh, no, I, I think we're
1: all individuals and unique and we do better, and most of us can kind of sift and find what we do better on. I am i um, not a vegan vegetarian fan for my adolescents, particularly those that have family histories of eating disorder. It's very hard to recover from an eating disorder eating a vegan vegetarian diet. But I, uh, without, I'm okay people choosing what feels best for them.
0: Do you use a lot of zinc in your treatment of anorexia? I'm just curious because years ago there were all kinds of studies about the importance of zinc, and we're seeing that so important today with the COVID 19 as an antiviral mineral.
1: Uh, that is the core treatment for anorexia. Um, as you said, we're talking about it 30 years ago. I wrote about it in my first book, you know, 12 years ago. And um, that's why we're rewriting this same book because it is so essential. Uh, ignored by other treatment uh, programs around the country.
0: Very, very ignored. So where do you see psychiatry going? Obviously, the use of nutritional supplements, perhaps in conjunction with other therapies, is important. But where do you see it actually heading towards in the next 10 years?
1: Well, I think that um, I'm hopeful because the research, um, you know, I've been talking about this stuff many years, as you have, 30 years. (laughs)
0: <laughs> 40 um, years in this case, yes. Okay. But I didn't have all the
1: double-blind placebo-controlled trials from colleagues, and now, now we do, and that's why we started Psychiatry fine. So I, I think that the field is changing, the research is supporting what we've been saying for a long time, that's pretty much common sense, and young um, psychiatrists and psychologists and naturopaths are now much more interested in addressing mental health problems through lifestyle and nutrition.
0: You know, years ago I read the work, I think it was Carl Pfeiffer, who to me was an integrative psychiatrist, you know, back in the 70s, I I guess early 80s, and he talked a lot about the toxicity of copper. Have you found any relevance to the work that you're doing in copper, copper excess in the brain?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a core part of our ADHD assessment and many of our children with ADHD particularly those that are irritable, angry. These are my kids that sometimes get kicked out of preschool. Um, they have high copper. Uh, we lower the copper by zinc and, and certain uh, phytochemicals and uh, we see improvement. So, you know, we've tested for lead in all the water since the flint Michigan crisis, but copper is just a bigger problem in our school systems, uh, the tap water.
0: Yeah, I, I see that. It's still unrecognized. How do you do your testing, Dr. Greenblatt?
1: Uh, for copper, I think the tracement of the hair test, um, and then looking at serum levels as well. But the hair test has been pretty accurate in helping reflect a um, copper toxicity and um, then treating and receiving. <laughs>
0: Are you finding any toxic patterns of health when you do the hair testing, anything more prevalent in certain areas of the country? And do you get people from all over the United States?
1: Yeah, we're seeing people from, um, you know, around the country and internationally. And the most common, um, you know, things we're seeing is, is mercury, particularly those that are eating the tuna fish, canned tuna fish. We see a lot of low levels of magnesium and then the elevation of copper. And, and the hair test is also one of our assessments for lithium. When I started, I've been doing the same hair test for, for these 30 years, That it was only a small 10% that had undetectable lithium. Most of us have lithium in our hair that we can look at. Now, and I think it's probably due to our bottled water obsession, now I'm seeing much higher percentage of kids and families with undetectable lithium. And that is one of the ways we know to supplement with low-dose lithium or
0: Are you seeing a lot of other deficiencies or excess of heavy metals? Are you seeing more uranium come through? I am here living in the northwest. I see a lot of uranium, a lot of arsenic, and a lot of excess manganese. Do you see that as well?
1: Yeah, the uranium really varies from community, but we have seen that and absolutely um, definitely um, the mercury occasionally
0: led do you do any chelation at, at the center?
1: And not where we work at this point. I think there are other, you know, I'm in Boston, so there are other clinicians that we do see high levels of mercury and or lead. There are other doctors or centers that are looking at chelation. So we're not uh, doing them directly here.
0: So then you do prescribe vitamins and minerals and lifestyle changes and environmental. Um, Recommendations for many of your clients, and and you still use medications where appropriate. Yeah, in the
1: hospital, where we're seeing you know very sick individuals, there are times we use hospital. A lot of patients come to us um, trying to get off medications. So, antidepressant withdrawal syndrome is a big concern. Uh, doctors have no way of helping people get off the medicine; they just prescribe them and say keep taking them. So, we've been working with a lot of individuals to help them get off antidepressant medicines who no longer need it or who have side effects that are kind of intolerable.
0: And what do you do for benzodiazepine withdrawal? It's something I know very intimately, having taken Ativan for a PTSD situation that I wasn't even aware of. Do you have any particular tips for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we have had success looking at a kind of nutritional foundation program. So if somebody has a... Uh, A slow taper is always the best. If someone has difficulty, even with a slow taper, we actually um, go back to Carl Pfeiffer and Hoffer, and we use high dose vitamin B3, niacinamide, Mm. um, three times a day. And you know omega-3s and magnesium for at least a month before we then begin another slow taper. And the niacinamide tends to help come off the benzodiazepines.
0: So the therapies that you employ, is there anything unusual that, that our listeners should know about? I mean, it's obviously nutritional, lifestyle habits, environmental exposures. Uh, is there any particular exercise program or anything of that nature that you also implement?
1: No, I, th- I think our goal is really an individualized, personalized approach. So we might have three you know, 35-year-old um, women who are presenting with depression and we would find, and we don't just give prescriptions of supplements. So one might come in with a B12 of, of less than 200 and get a B12 shot, the next one might have low thyroid, and, and the next individual might be struggling you know, with the protein um, digestion, the digestive enzymes and protein. So the focus really is in this personalized uh, treatment plan and support you know, whether somebody wants medicines or not, it's really their choice.
0: So do you also look at the genetics to see if they've got issues with detoxification and so forth, which I think is so prevalent and yet under-recognized?
1: Yeah, we, we look at uh, genetic testing uh, for every patient, um, detox um, genes, as well as, you know, MCHFR, folate, and um, how they metabolize certain meds and nutrients. So the genetic testing is becoming increasingly important to that personalized approach.
0: Do people actually, is this an inpatient care that so people would actually have to come and stay with you or can people consult with you um, off, off, the, off the premise?
1: Yeah, we, we have both. We have inpatient, residential, and then the work that we're doing we, is an outpatient consultation model.
0: And which particular mental health disorders do you, spe, do you specialize in? So we have ADHD. So I mean, it looks like it's the gamut, ADHD, depression anxiety
1: ocd is very very common Uh, ptsd uh, obviously the eating disorder it's pretty much the gamut i I don't think we're at this point you know we're doing the geriatric psychiatry i think they're now a specialized subset um but we're certainly um looking at early cognitive decline and oftentimes whether it's b12 or other nutritional deficiencies and support somebody um with that early cognitive chief.
0: And so just once again, what are you seeing more prevalently in 2020? Is it that increase in, would you say, depression? I don't know how fear manifests itself, but would it be depression, loneliness, fear, isolation? Is that all because of this COVID-19 lockdown?
1: Well, I think we're certainly seeing an increase. In the old days, it was easy to separate depression someone was sad and depressed and someone who was anxious. But now it's, it's really a combination. So we're seeing this kind of anxious depression that was um, uh, spiraling out of control six months ago but with COVID, you know, I've talked to pharmacists, rates of prescriptions, benzos and antidepressants are increased, caused the suicide hotlines have increased, mm. suicides have increased. It's really quite the, um, Mm. Uh, mental health concern from this um, pandemic.
0: You know, I haven't even realized that, but there's this silent epidemic that nobody's really talking about. It's just whether you should be wearing a mask or still be in lockdown. Very interesting. it's, It's
1: growing and we're going to see the consequences over the next couple of years. It's quite concerning.
0: And I'm, I'm interested as we start to uh, close, close, close off our very enlightening and inspiring and, and helpful interview, who are the other way showers in the field of mental health that we should be looking out for? You mentioned Jonathan Wright, who of course was my teacher and has been very prolific. Is there anybody else that's up and coming in the, in the field?
1: Well, I think you know the, the good news is there are a number of um, psychiatrists. There's an integrative medicine for mental health conference that... I started with um, a sales rep from a company 11 years ago and there were 50 people in the room. And now the last few years, there's been over 500.
0: Mm. So there
1: are now uh, clinicians at the uh, University of Arizona. They have an integrative psychiatry fellowship. Mm. Uh, And so that's a two-year program that young psychiatrists are taking uh, from all over the world. So the times are changing and I am more hopeful that uh, will be able to make a real significant change in how we treat patients with anxiety and depression and other mental illnesses.
0: Once again, tell everybody your seven, ba- your seven books. Just give us a syn- synopsis of the seven books. I, I love the Cinderella story of lithium, which was the one that interested me, but you've got seven books that all talk about lithium, I think, from a different vantage point. And what are the names of those books just once again?
1: The ADHD book is called Finally Focused, and I think that's most accessible to parents. And all the other books are in a book series called uh, Integrated Medicine for Mental Health, Psychiatry Defined. So Integrated Medicine for uh, Binge Eating Disorder, Depression, Alzheimer's, and then we're finishing up the Suicide uh, Prevention. And then we had a textbook uh, come out a few years ago that I edited with uh, Kelly Brogan and there were about 15 other authors um, and it's really a um, textbook just focused on the assessment and treatment of depression from an integrated perspective. It's 3,000 references.
0: Wow. It's
1: an incredible resource.
0: I have to salute the wonderful work that you're doing. I just want more people to know about you. And should they find you at jamesgreenblattmd.com? Is that the best resource?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So let me thank you, Dr. James Greenblatt, once again, for being so innovative and so inspiring in terms of what's ahead for mental health. And I have to thank all of my listeners for tuning in once again to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. I wish all of you health, wealth, and happiness in the future. Be well.